You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We are your complete cards coverage and we are turning into the start of free agency. The Cardinals are in the legal tampering period as the rest of the NFL. And we've got a huge, huge trade to talk about that just went down earlier today. Um, we know also that this is a lot of uh, a lot of a busy time for people this week. Um, our kind of thoughts and prayers go out to a lot of the people who are out there. Let's let's kind of open and talk a little bit about that before we get into the cards, John. This is uh, kind of crazy times to be living in. How are you and the rest of your family doing? Yeah, we're making do with it. We're pretty fortunate. My uh position that I work for. This is John uh, Venerable, by the way. Good to speak with you guys for the first time in a little while. Uh, my position allows uh, me to work from home on a part-time basis as it is, so the transition isn't too difficult. Uh, I do have two little ones, um, so we want to make sure that you know we're super cognizant of you know spreading germs, and uh, we're, we're, my wife is very cleanly and making sure that we're on top of all of that. Um, and most of our family's back in the Midwest. So it's not like we have a lot of contact with, um, you know, older members of my family, people who may be more susceptible to the coronavirus. but um, we'll, we'll make do. We live in a beautiful part of the country, thankfully. Uh, we went out for a hike the last couple of days. And so, um, yes, the kids are at home and we're a little stir crazy, but we're getting by. There are worse things in the world. Blake, how are you coping with everything going on so far? Uh, we're doing well. It's more just seeing everything changing a little bit day by day. Uh, been doing the best to at least get hold up. I know a lot of the some of the young people seem to be wanting to get together, which has been uh, kind of interesting. So I've been kind of holding back uh, as much as I can from a lot of that. Partially, it's just more of the case of there's not as much to be able to do. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, keep getting back to some of the work, some of the film in other cases. Um, a lot of the stuff I'll be sending out at least will be uh, on Revenge of the Birds um, or on my Twitter account at least as well for those following. Um, yeah, definitely feel like this is a um, this is just my perspective, I'll say, as we kind of wrap up this intro. But it feels like after several, uh, probably at least within for sure, at least the last um, 120 plus hours that the world was just kind of seemed like it went a little crazy, a little bit off kilter. So having something that was a little bit ordinary, something that was expected, something that wasn't necessarily pushed off or canceled to talk about in football today, just from the time people awoke to, as of we're recording tonight, um, till essentially the final bell rang, it did seem like it was almost a breath of fresh air. So in that case, I at least... Um, and say, while it may not be optimal, there may be other consequences that comes, I can at least feel like I can applaud the NFL for making do. Um, there's probably going to be a huge break that happens after this first wave of free agency, given the physicals. But um, I, I don't know, John, do you feel like this has kind of at least been um, something that a lot of the sports fans in this country at least have needed in the midst of a lot of the chaos going on with the coronavirus? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you follow the NFL, I don't think it means as much to the folks that are, you know, casual NFL fans. Um, you know, it really doesn't affect, you know, my wife in in any regard, or people maybe who are diehard NBA or Major League Baseball fans are still going to feel the brunt of it. Um, I was selfishly hoping that they would do this because I think it's a 
Number one, it's a distraction. Number two, it gives us content to talk about for the weeks to come. It sounds like the draft as of now um, will still take place uh, from April 23rd to the 25th. It just won't have the physical location uh, of Vegas. So we're going to get NFL news pretty consistently. Um, And so, you know, it already started today. I mean, the Cardinals were amongst the first teams this morning to make a significant move, maybe the most significant move of the day. And I just, you know, at the end of the day, this is all, you know, NFL's my number one sport. It's the one that I'm passionate about most, the one that we cover uh, here on the ROTV podcast, obviously. And so, um, you know, it just made sense to, you know, if it's not a direct, you know, if it's not providing harm or doing any harm to, to individuals, I don't think people really are worried about the optics like they w- once were. When the CBA got done on, what was that, Saturday night, Sunday morning, um, it was time to get these players paid. Guys have deserved it. I don't think it's they should be punished because of what's happened with the coronavirus. If it's something that you can do, you know, over a conference call or an email, a fax, uh, assuming that they can get checked out via physicals, which it sounds like, you know, they're going to have private jets and private doctors and and whatever. I mean, the NFL is a different animal, and um, you know, I applaud the first day because really, if you were following along on Twitter, it was a, a hell of a distraction from the otherwise depressing reality. Uh, of the current news cycle, Blake. Sure, and even for those who are casual sports fans, or you know, most of the bars and restaurants are either closed or probably soon to be closed. But to be able to see a lot of the news, the information, things flashing, and um, uh, today also was something at least that was interesting because the day kicked off essentially and really did focus on for even the majority of the day in the National Football League. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, with that transition, let's jump into it. Um, first news that broke essentially was the, uh, the news of David Johnson being traded to the Houston Texans. There was some rumors that the Texans are one of several other teams. You have to believe that the Bucks, um were probably one of the other teams that were also uh, sniffing around a potential Johnson trade. And then I was like, okay, they traded David Johnson. Cool. We'll see what the return is. And the first thing that came back, at least, uh, was a day two pick is what it seemed like that the Cardinals were going to be giving up a day two pick in addition to David Johnson, which John, you and I were in agreement with was it was probably too high of a price to pay to give up a second round pick with David Johnson for the cap relief. Right. Even if it's a full cap relief, you're like, oh, that's a one free agent that can come in. Well, you're then paying one expensive free agent to fit in under the cap. It's like could have then have to you could have just then kept David Johnson and or even traded him for a lesser pick and taken on some of that cap room yourself. Then the big bombshell drops, and this is something that um, we had some discussions. There were some rumors or reports over the weekend that the Cardinals could potentially be pursuing a free agent wide receiver like uh, Amari Cooper. Turns out that it wasn't actually Amari who was the one that was the target. Um, What was wrapped up a little earlier was the Texans wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who had been reportedly on the trading block. And as some of the other people who are insiders had said was that they heard the news of, hey, the Cardinals are not only going to be moving off of David Johnson's contract, the entire thing, but utilizing that plus a second round pick to trade for a guy who's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Many could even argue and say that he is the best for that and still managed to be able to get out of it with only another swap of fourth round picks after that. Essentially, John, the way that you can kind of sum this up, at least at least from my perspective, and I'll get your thoughts on this here, is it feels very mm-hmm. much like today, back in four years ago in 2016, when Steve Keim traded a second round pick for an elite pass rusher in Chandler Jones with an exploded with the Arizona Cardinals. 
that's how it felt like to me and a lot of fans for that one. What were some of your thoughts and takeaways? Because this is a huge, huge trade for the Cardinals that fills, I would, I've been arguing all offseason, their number one need as a team. And now you not only check that box, but you check that box with an experienced superstar at the position. What are your thoughts on the move? Well, I, if you remember, like I think last preseason, um, it probably wasn't. Uh, all that talked about in the public side, but there were some rumors floating, I think like right before the season started that DeAndre Hopkins could be available. And Blake and I, I know have talked about it off air once or twice um, that the Cardinals were sniffing around that market then. And I I think there was probably some truth to that. Um, The Texans were very much too far in advance to their in in season what we were going mm-hmm. to be their in season plans to make that trade but we now know that that was that was factual there was some inquiries that Bill O'Brien was making and, and vice versa from teams um, why they didn't chop him at the trading deadline is probably because they were in contention or they were they were a good team and so now he felt like he could lay the the groundwork to pivot from DeAndre Hopkins and go all in with you know guys like Laramie Tunsil with big contracts upcoming Deshaun Watson but. As far as it goes for the Cardinals, I was the day started out kind of eerie with the news about Kenyon Drake and that transition tag. And I saw that first right. thing, and I'm like, goodness, they are going to commit right now. And I, I I, didn't assume that they had had something ready to go with David. I thought this was, could be a long, drawn-out process. Talking about in the short mm-hmm. term, $22 million committed to two players for roughly 10 to $14 million for David, and then $8 million is what – Right now, Kenya Drake's going to play on with the transition tag, assuming he, somebody doesn't match that annual value. Um, so that put me kind of in a damper mood. I was going to get ready to write an article on uh, revengeofthebirds.com about that and the, another misstep by Kime. I thought that was a poor decision, reactionary move. And then Aaron Wilson, a uh, national reporter, said, hey, David Johnson's got a significant market. Four teams mm-hmm. are in on him, including the Houston Texans. This was about a half an hour about 8 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, 8.30, um, roughly 30 minutes before free agency uh, tampering period kicked off. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, so they clearly have a plan in place. They're going to move David at some point. There's, there's gonna ha- They're going to be some takers. And so they're kind of hedging their bet with Kenyon Drake just to kind of see what happens. But they, they've, they've laid the foundation for a trade, it would, would appear. Mm-hmm. Then right after the tampering period got started, I'm not sure what time this was, the the Schefter broke the news that Houston was trading for David. I think it was like right yeah. after the Tampa. It was period. right around Sorry. like 10 a.m. I believe uh, Arizona time, yep. which is so also West Coast time. time. Yeah. So basically, from there, it was just like okay, like what, like the the question we had been asking throughout the duration of the off season so far, Blake, is what are they giving up? What are they taking on in terms of dollars and cents? The next tweet from Adam Schefter was. They're taking on all of the guaranteed money. His yeah, base that was salary. like, whoa, whoa, wait, okay, that was like only okay, too good to be true. What's the catch for that? Part? So that everybody like then thought, immediately the had probably a two-minute break of freaking out that the Cardinals were going to give up a premium draft pick, which I immediately posted and said that would be ridiculous. You would just keep David Johnson for a year and keep your second and third round pick. But I was holding my breath. I was fully expecting Blake. For, the, for Schefter to tweet out that the Cardinals are sending David Johnson and a third to Houston for, you know, a seventh or something like that. And yeah. I was going to be depressed for the rest of the day. It's not the ideal way to kick off free agency. Then the next tweet he had, it was opposite from David Johnson in the cap situation to just Hopkins to the Cardinals. So then you start to connect the dots. Well, Hopkins is included in this deal. And then the 
news started to trickle out that they not only had secured Hopkins, but they got him for a second, David Johnson, David Johnson's whole contract, and a fourth in 2021. Not only that, the Cardinals get a fourth this year. We're not sure if it's the earlier or the latter of Houston's mm-hmm. two-fourths. They get arguably a top three receiver in football plus a fourth this year. It is it's one of the most historic offseason days in the history of the franchise. They mm-hmm. haven't had too many. Um, it's probably the biggest trade they've ever made for for a single player, given the magnitude. He's going into the Hall of Fame one day, you would think. Chandler Jones, we love him now. We think he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day, maybe. But Chandler Jones had not achieved what DeAndre Hopkins had done at right. this point in his career. He was earlier. He was younger. That team was in a different spot where they felt like they were Chandler Jones away. Um, he had it, it, he was coming from New England. That gave people you know reason to be hesitant about what Arizona was taking on. He had the issue where he was arrested. DeAndre Hopkins is a, is a he's an All Pro. Last three years, he's a consistent um, performer to say the least. He's uh, you know a completely stand up guy on and off the field. I mean, it's just a home run trade in every sense of the word. Um, and the Cardinals clearly took advantage of a scenario in which Bill O'Brien, the, the Houston Texans head coach, is operating as general manager. And to give Steve Kime credit, we've been critical of his his drafting, his personnel moves. Are we beginning to see glimpses of what made Kime back-to-back PFT uh, general manager of the year in 2013-2014? Because he was at one point, regardless of what you may think, an elite general manager. And then he had a series of poor, horrendous off-seasons, uh, you know, culminating in 2017. Last off-season, 2018, really. Last off-season, mm-hmm. it's Kyler Murray. This off-season, he adds a bona fide superstar receiver for 30 cents on the dollar. And now the Cardinals have significant momentum to pursue other free agents to go into the draft with the eighth overall pick wide open. Um, they were, you know— Top of mind on every you know sports site today, given the circumstances, they're getting a lot of national praise. You know, I just hope, Blake, that the deal doesn't fall through, knock on wood, before Wednesday. But it, it was a historic trade I think we've never seen before. Yeah, it was one of those cases where the Cardinals essentially, in a lot of ways, John, did the opposite of what some teams have done, where they were aggressive, they went out, and they went in, and not only, I, I think you can say, just went and said, hey, we're going to go ahead and get a guy who can fill the spot, fill the position, but we want to get a guy who's going to really, really fill this spot and fill this position. Um, like we had talked about with earlier in the week, with uh, we knew that they'd wanted a guy like Kenyon Drake back, and what we had at least uh, talked about or been hearing was, well, there's a bit of a split situation with the Cardinals because part of it is you know you need a number one wide receiver. You need to probably address the defense at some point, uh, probably getting at at least two to three impact players on the defense, and you're likely looking to continue to invest in the offensive line to help keep protecting Kyler Murray. And we knew that the Cardinals are not going to be able to do all of those with the eighth overall pick. And we kind of broken it down to was, all right, you're either going to have to take a wide receiver there or take a tackle. And the idea of taking a guy like a C.D. Lamb seemed to make the most sense, a guy who could make these contested catches, be able to be physical at the point of attack, a big play receiver. And what's really interesting about this, John, is C.D. Lamb's exact almost I guess NFL comparison is a guy like DeAndre Hopkins so what's funny is instead of drafting that guy with the eighth overall pick with the hopes he could become a DeAndre Hopkins why not just go and get a DeAndre Hopkins 
with the 40th pick while also unloading David Johnson. It's one of those people have said all sorts of things like it's crazy. This trade is outlandish. It's one of the worst trades that some people say they've seen for a team like the Texans. It's like those terrible dynasty football trades that your friend offers. Like, hey, you want David Johnson in a 2022nd for DeAndre Hopkins? And that's like the uh, decline, decline, decline every time. What we've run into, John, is that the Cardinals have tapped into, I think, two things. One, They've tapped into the idea of that there is still an inefficiency that's happening in trading draft picks, which is unproven for a proven talent. And a lot of times it's trading it for a proven talent who's about to get paid, and the current team does not want to pay them for whatever reason it might be. And the second one, I think, is that it comes back to the fact that the Arizona Cardinals, ever since Michael Bidwell has taken over, even with Steve Keim, despite the roller coaster that they have been on, this is a team that is still striving and seeking success. And I think someone even said um, today that, hey, uh, I think this is probably the best trade that Steve Keim has ever made. And the thing I would almost disagree with is I think you could probably argue the trade, quote unquote, of Josh Rosen for Kyler Murray is probably the one that will define the franchise the most. Now that you have that guy, it allows you to make a trade like this. And that rookie quarterback window that we're going to talk about a lot, John, um, not to say that it's going to get any bigger, but I do think the Cardinals certainly increase their chances of being able to make a huge step forward in the 2020 um, season and the next few years as well. What, what were your thoughts, at least, on this, the team building aspect from it? And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on DeAndre Hopkins himself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, from a team perspective, he's better than anybody you were going to get. Certainly, at pick forty and uh, pick forty and pick eight combined. I mean, he is a bona fide superstar receiver in every sense of the word. He's an outside alpha X receiver that two years ago had roughly, what, 15, 1,600 yards this past season. He was a little bit banged up, still played, has only missed two games in his career, uh, 11, 1,200 yards, 19 touchdowns over the course of the last two years. He's everything that you need, um, and I think his his cap hit right now is very team-friendly. He's under contract for the next three years for, on average, I think 12, 13, $14 million, um, which is very reasonable for somebody of his caliber of play. I think the Cardinals are going to try to redo that deal maybe give themselves a little bit more relief in the short term and then add on some years in the back end. They'd like to keep him around longer than three years, I'm sure. Right. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's exactly what we would have hoped CeeDee Lamb would be or Jerry Judy or whomever. Now, you know, we can play devil's advocate and say, well, you're going to get Lamb or, or, yeah, Lamb or Judy on a rookie deal and you've got them for many, many more years. Like you mentioned, Blake, and I think this bears repeating, draft picks are unproven. Um, they're great until they're spent and that player diminishes his value every day that they're with you and they're not performing as Hassan Reddick, as Robert Kimdichie, Jonathan Cooper. Um, and so, you know, as much as we would have loved to keep pick 40, I think you do this trade a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, with that being said, as, as far as, you know, Hopkins himself, the Cardinals have two hall of fame receivers on their roster right now. That's not up for discussion. Both of these individuals, Larry Fitzgerald and, and, uh, DeAndre Hopkins are going to go in the Hall of Fame one day. And so you you talk about that combination that no other team is going to be able to boast. I think this year, think about, you know, the greatest show on turf with with um, fall or Torrey Holt and um, the other wide receiver uh, escapes me. But um, Isaac Bruce um, and had recently had that I can remember two Hall of Fame caliber receivers at the same time. I mean, we know Larry Fitzgerald's going in the Hall of Fame. Michael Irvin alluded to the fact that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is likely a Hall of Famer. 
what this does for the offense now is it, it just elevates everybody else that's already in place. Mm-hmm. Christian Kirk, who was expected to be a number one receiver, can grow and mature naturally and develop naturally. And everybody can take a step back and take a deep breath and saying, this is a guy who we still are high on that can average 800 to 1200 receiving yards, but we're not going to make him carry the offense. The same thing can go for an Andy Isabella that hopefully can have more of a carved out role this year. Fitzgerald is going to dominate third and fourth corners. And what this does for Kyler Murray, everybody had the MVP, you know, expectations before this trade thought he'd take that big Mahomes Lamar Jackson jump But we always have said, Blake, that those rosters were ready to compete, and that's what allowed them to have that kind of success. And Kyler, the the roster was not up to his capabilities to be able to elevate it to an MVP-like season. Well, this is a a large step in the right direction. Now, Mm -hmm. Hopkins doesn't fix everything, but at the same time, he allows Kyler Murray to be able to stretch the field physically, uh, or vertically, I should say. Um, he's, he's tremendous after the catch. He's got terrific hands. He's the alpha X outside receiver. They do not have. Um, and again, he's going to be better than anybody you're going to be able to get this year, uh, in the draft, the kind of impact they're going to have. And I think very much so you should expect this team to make a push for the playoffs, especially now that they're going to uh, seven seeds in the NFC. Yeah. The, um, just the impact that when you're talking about that, um, Hopkins is, at least for me, from what I've seen in scouted, the closest receiver to Larry Fitzgerald that's there in the NFL in terms of how he studies, prepares, plays the game, the acrobatic catches, the body control, um, the smarts that he's able to possess. Like He dominated last year and was, uh, I think, some 30% or so of all of Deshaun Watson's targets went to DeAndre Hopkins. He didn't perform up to the same level that they had seemingly wanted to, which is kind of funny because, you know, he still had a 1,200-yard season. When you're talking about what the Arizona Cardinals have had at the position, you look at Fitz, and he's looking at, like, you know, he's like a probably 70-catch, 800-yard guy is what he has been, which is solid for most number two receivers in the NFL. We've talked about it for a long time. The Cardinals needed a number one. And they're taking a guy who's going to be added right onto that roster for that impact. And you don't have to worry about this impact being there in a year or two. It's going to be right there. Um, The other thing that's also amazing about Hopkins is he fell in the draft a bit. There were some concerns based on whether it was a combine incident. Some of it was also his speed. He wasn't a 4-4 guy. He was like a 4-5-7 guy. Still went in the first round and was easily the probably the best player <laughs> taken in that draft, uh, you could argue, if not at least for sure in the first round. And he ended up blossoming into a huge part of the Texans community, a huge part of the Houston area, um, with not just with charity work, but just with the character that the person had. Um, you can look up the story, at least Mina Kimes, there was a great special that was done on his mother. Um, she ended up undergoing a tragic accident where she was blinded, essentially, from the time he was at a young age. So when she's in the game, she can listen, has to hear, and she's not even able to watch her son. She has to listen to each of the different games to know whether he's getting the catch or not and having the action described. A fantastic piece if you do want to check it out. Um, it's especially worth noting that uh, a lot of the Texans play uh, fan base, I should say, uh, to them, this is how it would feel for if us Cardinals fans had seen Larry Fitzgerald traded for a first and a third of the Philadelphia Eagles. That was something that the Cardinals were considering. They decided not to go forward with it. He ended up coming back to the team. So it's like to kind of flip the script a little bit. Imagine that type of an impactful player going to a different team 
while they're in the prime of their career and how gut-wrenching it would be, that's how a lot of the Texans fans feel right now. So not to really like harp too much on that one or to kind of woe is me, but that should at least show people the magnitude of the player the Cardinals are getting. He's got three years left on his current deal. Like you said, John, I think that their Cardinals are actually going to do what someone recommended they do with David Johnson, which is rip up his deal, extend it a few years, and then be able to get that cap number lowered. Cardinals may end up not only getting all of David Johnson's contract taken care of, but lowering their overall cap number by turning Hopkins' money into a signing bonus and being able to push things back into further years and then get him more guaranteed money as well. John, right now, David Johnson has more money that's guaranteed for 2021 than DeAndre Hopkins does. He's got $3 million in dead money. Hopkins has none. That was part of the reason he wanted a new deal. But that's one of the things that's crazy because it also speaks to me, and this will be what some fans can say, not maybe even how good of a trade this was for the Cardinals, but it's redemption because it shows how bad the David Con- Johnson contract unfortunately had turned out. And I was a fan of the contract because I thought he would move to wide receiver if things stumbled in the later years. And the cliff and the drop-off that happened, like it, it, it it's concerning. Do, do you think he can recover and be able to get back to that 2015-2016 form in Houston? No, he'll never recoup that um type of production i mean he what do you have like almost 20 touchdowns that yeah. 2016 season his explosiveness is gone in that in that regard um but i think he can be a thousand yard back and i think he can still be an elite pass catching back which he is um i just think that you know his body let him down this is just my personal opinion i think he got too big too i mean he's a weight room animal he's a specimen physically but I think he lost some of his lateral ability. We never saw the jump cut after he got injured um, a season ago. And um, the explosiveness in between the tackles, he's very much a, a plodding running back. But listen, the, the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien just got 1,000 yards out of Carlos Hyde. So I, yeah, I definitely yeah. think that David Johnson is, is just as capable, assuming he's healthy. And he will probably be inspired to go and play uh, good football there. Um, he's a high-character guy. Um, somebody that loves to be the workhorse. And when he's on, he's a very good player. He was very instrumental in some of their early offensive outbursts this year, that being Arizona, the Atlanta game. He played really well. He he, he looked good in the second half of the Lions game. So I think it's a it's one of those scenarios in which, you know, he's got to be embraced as the guy. And when Kingsbury came in, you know, there was some hesitation as to whether or not David fit what he was looking for clearly. They made a move not only to Drake, but initially it was Chase Edmonds. So it's just, you know, it's one of those scenarios where the Cardinals were really fortunate that somebody wanted to take on David Johnson and this contract. And not only was it Houston, there were three other teams interested. So they would have found a trade partner. And that's probably where I'm happy to admit I did not think in today's NFL, when the running back position is so expendable and the the, the free agent market that's got, you know, Melvin Gordon, now Devontae Freeman, just a bunch of really nice quality options available. Who's going to trade premium draft capital and take on money for David Johnson? Well, it's the Houston Texans. So Cardinals should be fortunate, but they should learn from this too. Steve Kime should not be quick to give Kenyon Drake a big-time deal. I can't imagine he will. Um, I, I think he'd be comfortable paying Drake the $8 million, uh, on the transition tag this year. Maybe they take it back this year. Maybe they take one next year. Uh, maybe Chase Edmonds emerges, but... I, that's a position to me where when you're talking about trying to maximize the Super Bowl window, the Cardinals need to get better in so many places. And I get it. Drake was fantastic the second half of last year, but 
you have to reallocate your funds wisely. And I don't think that, you know, this is not on David Johnson, but I do not think that it's a coincidence that the Cardinals had one of their worst stretches of of football Mm -hmm. after David Johnson signed that contract. It's just when you try to make a running back the centerpiece of your offense and you give him big time money, there are just lapses left and right. Now they're getting back to basics with, you know, a young quarterback, the vertical passing game. Hopefully they're going to add some key pieces in the front seven. So the running back can be a, a part of the offense, but it can't be the offense. It can't be the centerpiece. And in most of the, you know, the Super Bowl teams that we see, San Francisco, Kansas City, New England, that it's just it's just a it's a expendable part. And, you know, I think the Cardinals should take it year by year and get what they can out of, you know, whomever's toting the rock and, and you move on. You do not mm-hmm. you do not do this again if you're Steve Kime, and I don't think you will. Yeah, the uh, the Cardinals clearly said they wanted Kenyon Drake back, but they didn't want to. Uh, pay him the money he was looking for. He is going to get in that eight to ten million dollar range if the tag stays. Uh, how the transition tag works, of course, is uh, it's similar to free agency, except that instead of just offering a, a player to sign, the home team will get the first right of refusal. Essentially, you can, if you want to keep a player at market value, let's say a team offers, you know, hey, we're going to offer two years, nine million dollars for Kenyon Drake for that one. Uh, Cardinals would get the first right of refusal. Um, or, you know, if the team decides not to match, they could let him walk to a different team. So how I think this kind of falls out, John, is we've kind of had the debate and the question of when the Cardinals are building their team, there's a couple boxes we knew they needed to check off. The biggest one was trying to not only find a number one wide receiver, but recognizing that they needed to also have a future after Larry Fitzgerald and over overall upgrade the position just because you want to build around Kyler, give him weapons. You want to make sure you can build the D-lines and the O-lines as well. What do you think has changed with the Cardinals in this space? Because right now what it seems like to me as we talked about was uh, where we were tending was free agency, focus on offensive line and defensive line, and then let Kenyon Drake walk with that money and then address it with your running back in the draft, your wide receiver in the draft with a rookie. What the Cardinals are doing instead, and this is probably a little optimistic in that aspect, is – they're seeming to kind of bend the opposite way of saying, why don't we just surround Kyler with advanced skill position players who are already veterans and Kenyon Drake and DeAndre Hopkins, and then not quite give up on those young wide receivers we drafted last year, not just move on completely from them and say, oh, this two, four, second, this fourth, this sixth. Nope, no good. We're going to take a wide receiver in the first this year and just give up on the others. I think that was the approach that we felt like they almost had to take because we didn't expect DeAndre Hopkins to be available. And uh, Amari Cooper, for that matter, was uh, recently rewarded with a $20 million a year, $100 million deal from the Dallas Cowboys, meaning you probably would have had to pay at least six years, $120 million, or upped it to some $22 million a year to pry him away from Dallas. That would have been insane amount of money because I don't believe that Cooper was worth that. So, John, how do, how do you think this changes the Cardinals' needs now that it seems that their starting running back, for the moment, at least is addressed on for or the Cardinals will have the right to match or pay value for Drake. They got their wide receiver. How does this change, I think, the rest of the offseason for them? Yeah, I, th- I think we should move forward. Like, Drake's going to be around for on a one-year deal, and that's great. Um, and if somebody gives him big money, then you let him walk and you figure it out, you know, after the fact, again, Houston got Carlos Hyde the last week of the preseason, the Cardinals still have the draft and, you know, nobody's paying Kenyon Drake big money after the draft. So they've got a contingency plan there. 
you're dead on. I think, you know, before free agency, nobody assumed that they would go after a receiver, just given the fact of the gluttony available of receivers at both pick eight and we anticipate pick 40. Um, they weren't in on Robbie Anderson. You heard smoke that they, maybe they'd have interest in Amari Cooper. Certainly not for the money he just got paid. There were some digs rumors a couple days ago with him wearing a Cardinal shirt working out. Um, you know, we didn't have a chance to cover that on the podcast. I, we still don't know what that was about. Um, but he was obviously traded tonight to the Buffalo Bills for a first and then some. Given all those options, given what we think Robbie Anderson will go for, the Cardinals by far got the best deal. And we and we know that now. If somebody would have told you that DeAndre Hopkins was going to be available, he would probably be our first choice. And then also the compensation is by far the best. So pivoting from that point to briefly talk about the rest of how they're they're going to attack free agency. Here's the thing. They were in on Jack Conklin. I know they were in on Jack Conklin um, and that started to trickle out today, um, but they didn't feel like they could match what the Browns were committing. And I think they're going to they're going to pivot now to the draft at right tackle. And I'm going to say something about that as well, because when I saw that Conklin wanted to take less years where he only signed a three year deal, I believe it was forty two million dollars guaranteed. Essentially, he signed an identical deal to DJ Humphreys. That made me kind of go, mm, because suddenly you've got two problems. One is you've got a guy who you're not really locking up that tackle position long term. You're essentially getting it for two years and then maybe a third year that you're looking on it. And then if you want to get paid with the next CB, a lot of guys are taking shorter term deals, hoping to cash in for a bigger payday. Right. The So you're not really addressing that position in the long term. You're paying a ton of money to essentially get a short-term fix. Second is you're then having an expiring deal the exact same year that DJ Humphreys, his deal is expiring, and you're paying both of those guys like 16-plus million dollars a year. So to me, it doesn't make sense to be able to walk into an aspect where uh, – to me, it makes sense if, hey, we're going to pay DJ, we're going to pay Conklin – but after two years, we're going to move on from DJ to this guy we've been developing the past two years, save our money. Conklin will have for the next three, then we can work on building our team. That is not an option when Jack Conklin doesn't want to take that fifth year. So to me, it makes sense. And that's probably, I think, what surprised a lot of people who thought he was going to be taking a five-year, $90 million contract from some yeah. team. So instead, I, I think you pivot, like you said, John, to the draft of being able to try to look at, can you get a guy on a five-year deal or if you get a defensive player? Well, it's a, it's a historic a tackle round. draft. You know that, Blake. There are four tackles right now. I think that most teams would have at least a top 20 grade on, if not higher. Um, and we'll get into that as we get closer to the draft. But I think I do not expect a right tackle to come in uh, unless they just came at, you know, a dirt cheap contract and they're value plummeted what you saw today meaning monday was the run on offensive linemen and the cardinals didn't participate because they got theirs locked up uh you know about a month ago so with that being said here is what i really foresee them doing over the course of the next really the next three four days um in terms of the first initial wave into wave two um they're going to target the front seven they're going to target linebackers i still think they've got a good shot at at re-signing i say re-signing retaining Marcus Golden, I think he's got a real chance to come back to Arizona. We have not heard much on Corey, Corey Littleton. Blake Martinez just got paid as we're recording this tonight, so maybe we'll see some traction in that inside linebacker market with he and Joe out of Cleveland uh, sometime on Tuesday. Um, the defensive line market is drying up pretty quickly. DJ Reader is yeah. still available, although they have not linked 
to him. It sounds like the Denver Broncos, according to our buddy Benjamin Albright, will have uh, a chance to secure him. Nothing on Derek Wolf yet, but again, with with Jerron Reed going back to Seattle, uh, Hardgrave going to going to uh, Philadelphia. Cardinals are going to need to find one of these mid-tier defensive linemen and then secure, you know, re-sign a Rodney Gunter, get somebody back because they need bodies up front mm-hmm. because you know, up the middle, they're just not good enough right now. Um, so that's where I think the majority of their attention is going to go. But there is one name to keep an eye on um, over the course of the next couple days, maybe in the coming weeks if they're allowed to take visits. I think Eric Ebron could be a name worth watching. They were initially in the Austin Hooper search, and then that – that number got a little too high for them, a little too rich, even though I, I, I like the contract for Cleveland. Um, but mm-hmm. Eric Ebron, if they can secure him on another one-year deal like he got a year ago for less annual money, I think that they would be open to adding him as a vertical pass-catching threat to see if he can recoup some of the magic he had two years ago in Indy. Um, that's the only offensive player I can think of. I do know that, um, that you know, if they can add a you know capable swing tackle or, you know, serviceable interior backups they're going to do that but majority of this money is going to be spent on front seven players yeah and just to put that ebron in terms of the kind of the h back tight end role um it would be uh the exact same role that charles clay played but you're not having a guy with the same wear or tear he had some great seasons overall the biggest issue i think that comes up is that some of the teams that will be looking into him also include others like the patriots and other teams that do have a bigger need, they didn't just sign Max Williams to a two-year deal. Um, the draft is obviously pretty weak at tight end, so maybe you have to look in trying to swing something. Um, or maybe it is an answer on the roster. The Cardinals obviously are bringing back two guys at the position. And uh, the other news is <clears throat> they're also bringing back kicker Zane Gonzalez. They have a second-round tender was placed on him. A little different. I know this is kind of something at least that um, Senior Jesseru talked about a little bit at least. And we also had some talks off air as well where the Cardinals could have probably placed an original round tender on him, which would have been the fifth round. It's very, very unlikely someone would have matched that. Instead, they placed a second round tender. He gets a little bit of a pay bump from that where it's about a million dollars or so more. So there's kind of two ways you can look at this. One, you could say it's a nice little pay bump for – Zane Gonzalez, and two, you could say, hey, it's the Cardinals kind of just tossing a million out the door in a season where we already have found out that the salary cap is not going to be 200 or 203 million, but about 198 million under what teams were expecting. Uh, so in that case, it's a little bit more limited than what you would hope. Uh, one thing I will say at least is if you're looking in the draft for a kicker and you can give up a fifth round pick for Zane Gonzalez and try to sign him away from the Cardinals, or draft Rodrigo Blankenship, another kicker with a fifth-round pick. I mean, you probably would want the veteran, the more experienced guy. A lot of NFL teams were very much fans of Zane Gonzalez coming out. He was a very highly graded kicker, had a lot of struggles those first two years before he came to Arizona, and essentially he's looking kind of in the same spot that, uh, for better or for worse, that Jay Feely and Chandler Catanzaro found themselves in. Feely, as we know, went on to be a steady kicker for the team. Catanzaro did up until that 2016 year. So what were your thoughts, at least, in the Cardinals and Zane Gonzalez, John, which was the last, uh, essentially, news of the day for the team? Yeah, he was a really good player for the for the team last year in his first season. That was a nice, well, really his first full season. That was a nice coup uh, and a nice uh, pay raise, deservedly so. I don't see anybody giving up uh, a second-round pick to add uh, a kicker, no matter how good they are. 
Um, so I unless think it's that, the Bucks, that, right? The Buccaneers. Yeah, unless, <laughs> unless you're Jason Knight and the Tampa Bay yeah. Buccaneers. But um, in this day and age, yeah, I think uh, consistency is key. He was super consistent. I'd love to see him get more shots deep next year with less, you know, within 30 to 40 yards because hopefully the Cardinals score more touchdowns. So I think the less we see of him next year, the better. But when he's on the field, love for him to keep up that consistency, but well-deserved. It's nice to see both he and Justin Murray, who got that uh, pay bump as well for his contributions in 2019 to be rewarded. They're building something. Um, they're, they're having a little bit of stability now going into year two. You're starting to see the, the roster being layered with, you know, some quality players. Maybe not not everybody's DeAndre Hopkins or a superstar, but um, it's that middle tier now that we've got to find. We've got to find the next uh, Carlos Dansby and the next Marcus Gold and the next Tony Jefferson. we got to find the players that, you know, may not be all pros or pro bowlers, but that will be good players for the Cardinals consistently. Staples, rocks in the middle of their defense uh, up front in the offensive line. I think that if they can do that and get that momentum going into the season, there is there is no reason for this team not to compete for a playoff spot with a fourth place roster. This is if you're if you're looking at it, they're they're very top heavy. They have multiple. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, Chandler Jones, say what you want about Patrick Peterson, the you know, the evolution and maturation of Kyler Murray. They've got four to five elite players on the roster. Then they have about two or three you know, really good young middle-tier players in Buda Baker uh, and a couple other young guys. Maybe you put DJ Humphreys in that group, and then there's a big drop-off. A, a lot of unknowns and a lot of solid starters, but not too many, not enough. So that's where we got to focus on. So we want to preface this by saying take a deep breath if you're not seeing the Cardinals be really aggressive in free agency outside of the, the Hopkins move. Kime has always historically done better in the third, fourth, fifth waves of free agency. He's found guys like John Abraham and Eric Winston, Carlos Dansby. Um, Those guys have been signed in May, June, and July. Now, I don't think it's going to take that long to find some of these key players, but I just think let's take a deep breath. This team needs just capable starters, and when you're a player and you don't hit what you need to initially and you overvalue yourself like an Antonio Cromartie did so many years ago, you know, Kyle will offer you that one year deal. Let's see if you're more open to taking it after some teams have shut the door on you. So I, I wonder if that could happen with, because there are still, you know, it's like 80% of free agency is still to go in terms of the sure. quality players, NFL top 100. So we've got time. Um, and, um, I think there's going to be some more dominoes that go in the next 24 hours, needless to say, but, you know, take a deep breath because the best, I think the best is yet to come. You know, Max Williams was arguably their best signee that and Jordan Hicks and Max Williams was definitely an afterthought. Jordan Hicks was signed after he was cut, like in training camp, essentially. Yeah. And that was like one of their best acquisition. It just shows you that a lot of the free agents that you sign as a team, a lot of times, whether it's the big money or not, a lot of times they don't work out. This is a little different because this is essentially all of the movies the Cardinals made today were keeping their own players who have at least worked out or have shown success. Uh, or, in another case, trading for a proven commodity in DeAndre Hopkins. And the instant impact I think that you'll be able to see is a huge boost to, especially I'd say, Kyler Murray's passing yards and to the red zone offense would be the two biggest things that I think you will see. Because we know Kyler is a lot of times, he's a guy who is much more of a boundary type thrower, likes throwing to the outside, being able to get deep, being able to throw it up where he knows his guy can get it. We saw that all the time with C.D. Lamb in 
in the uh, in, in college in Oklahoma. And the boost that you're going to be able to provide from that for the next duration of his rookie contract, I think, will be huge. And then the next steps after that will be not necessarily, hey, like we're going to go out and sign like this giant offensive line. We're going to go and sign this defense line. We're not, we're, for signing all those big names, the only ones that really have worked out for the Cardinals when they signed big names was when they had a huge, massive need. And even then, John, the Jared Valdir signing of 2014 and the Mike Yapati yeah. signing of 2015 – they lasted up mm-hmm. until the 2017 season. And Yupati at that point yep. in 2018 was a shell of his former self, got hurt, got injured, resurrected a little bit of his career in Seattle. But essentially, the fact of the matter is that the free agency is not how you build. You build through the draft and you build by trading draft picks for proven commodity and talent. And that's, I think, what the Cardinals did today. So let's go ahead and change a little bit of the topic because um, I want to talk a little bit before we look at the Cardinals and the fallout from their actual draft position. Talk a bit about team building because the one thing I'll say that will be interesting is all of these fire Kime, Cardinals will never win with Steve Kime. Steve Kime has to go. We had talked and debated about all of it for a long time, John. We said, hey, there's like pros to moving on from Steve Kime. There's cons for that one. There's a lot of issues that we saw with the team and as it was constructed last year. He goes out and makes a trade like this, and suddenly a lot of those comments are silent. Is this a case of him getting Moja back? Is this there? How much of this is a redemptive factor for someone like Steve Kime, do you think? Or is this more and like, I don't know if I can say that for fans, all is forgiven, but I do think this is a huge check mark back toward getting himself into the good graces of Cardinals fans because this is just like the Josh Rosen trade. It was, hey, we got it for, what, a third and a fifth? That's all it cost you to move up for that one? No, Rosen clearly didn't turn out as well. But this is the same type of feeling you have. Of This is a time time type of move for the Cardinals. And in that case, a lot of people just gave props to it. They said that uh, someone even sent Steve Kime is no longer going to be um, having to worry about being on the roads, at least at night for anything. Fans will have to get out of his way at the road. There's a huge type of honeymoon period oh, that no. he's experiencing. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a dark humor joke for that one. But what are your thoughts on this kind of redemption kind as we'll probably start to call it? That oh man, a lot of I ways like that. With, in a lot of ways, it starts with this season because if the Cardinals have another five win season, it's going to go down. If they make and push for a playoff spot, it is going to be ultimately seen. Them wouldn't it be funny, John, if Cardinals turn it around, make the playoffs, and suddenly we start talking about contract extensions for Steve Kime and Cliff oh, Kingsbury? Wouldn't that become full circle? It's <laughs> it just would how many lives. Circle. How many lives does he have? This this kind of reminds me of Thomas Dimitrov when the Atlanta Falcons had the resurgence with Matt Ryan, and then they went through a slew of seven and nine, six and ten seasons in route to a rebuild, and people wanted Thomas Dimitrov fired, and he got him to a Super Bowl and, and rebuilt the team, and um, and he's still their GM now, and I don't know how great of a job he's doing currently, but I just yeah, he they, and they turned it around time, last year. Yeah, he and Kime um, are kind of kindred spirits in that regard. I just I feel like Kime. Listen, I called for him to be fired last year. Wrote an article about it. Um, you know, I'd be happy to be wrong. I want I want him to have success because that means the team is succeeding. But here's the thing: where's where's Kime always shined? He he does a really nice job trading for veteran players. I mean, he's essentially batting what like 900. Um, with mm-hmm. especially with star players. I mean, they've all worked out. Palmer, Chandler Jones, Kenyon Drake. Now, Deion, we, we, we like to assume DeAndre Hopkins is going to work out. Um, where has he struggled? First round draft picks. So that's that's a big mm-hmm. mark against him. Where has, she, has he shined? He's, he's found a really a lot of good players on day two of the draft. Tyron Matthew, Marcus Golden, David Johnson, John Brown, 
Christian Kirk, Buda Baker, where has he struggled? Free agency in the first initial wave of free agents, where has he done well? Toward the end of the summer where you get your bargain deals. He's a shrewd businessman. Um, so I think it's important for him to identify what he does well and what he doesn't. So if we're talking about an increase of analytics, being able to defer to a lot of his people during the draft process, I think is key. And then listen, I mean, Kyler Murray is going to cover a lot of warts on this roster. We've seen it, you know, the team we just talked about. 500 passing yards, 500 rushing yards, 20 touchdowns. And that's your first season with, you know, whatever you have with Kenyon Drake as your best skill position player. Yeah, now he gets about it with, one with, of the best skill position players in the NFL. And that's going to open up things for Fitzgerald, for Kirk, for whatever else they're going to bring in. Um, there's a lot, I think, to be optimistic about for this season. Not just for obviously fantasy prospects, but just for him to take that next second step and hopefully make it a special type of season as we've seen other uh, star young quarterbacks do. Yeah, and we we talked about it with teams like Houston and Mahomes two years ago with Kansas City carrying a bad defense. I mean, Kyler's going to buy him as much time as he needs. Um, and we've seen Kyle build it. I mean, if Kyler Murray inherited the 2015 Cardinals that had everything but you know, a pass rush and a mobile quarterback, you know, what would his record be as a rookie? I think it would be uh, a hell of a lot better than five, 10 and one. So I think it's all about adding talent at wherever you can find it. And if, as long as you're not going too deep at one position, going too heavy, too rich at one position, I don't think they're going to be hampered or shoehorned into one specific spot moving forward. I think defensively, listen, any any position I think defensively could be upgraded. You could sell me on that. Offensively, any position on the offensive line. I think the only positions you don't look at now are probably receiver just because of the amount of cap uh, space that you when you talk about Kirk eventually needing an extension of some kind, Hopkins, Fitzgerald, and then you spent you know second round pick on Isabella, who's making nice money for a second rounder. And then, um, of course, Kyler Murray. So really, at the end of the day, that's the nice thing about a rebuild is you have an opportunity to add talent wherever you need it um, because you need a lot of help. So I um, I am hopeful that he's turned the corner. I think that he's making these calculated moves that are clearly thought out well in advance. They're not reactionary like Bradford or Mike Glennon were. Um, mm -hmm. And so being able to identify a need like if he hadn't gotten you know deandre hopkins would he have gone and signed robbie anderson i hope not but it's nice that we don't have to wait and find out right and uh, a lot of it i think is with steve kime just a second here it's like oh it's thirsty tonight um a lot of what i think with kime when we always we saw his strengths was when there was an identity that bruce arians and his team had and he could find guys to fill that identity um I think that was one of the biggest keys that we had that we could see. The problem, I think, at least is, and this is kind of the thing, obviously, is he didn't have that identity through 2017, 2018. I think they've got it again with Cliff Kingsbury. And just to compare, because, again, it can always be worse Cardinals fans. You want to talk about GMing that's gone downhill. You just look at what Bill O'Brien with the Texans has done um, since he traded a third-round pick for Duke Johnson, traded two firsts, um, for was it a fourth round pick, a sixth round pick, Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Um, we still have to re-sign him. Traded away Jadavian Clowney for a third round pick, and two linebackers aren't even on the team anymore. Traded a third round pick for a, kind of a failed first in Gary and Conley. And now he's just traded away DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, a second, and a swap of fourth. So 
you want to talk about getting worse, at least what I can say is it's not like it's been perfect. The Cardinals are in this position of having to rebuild, but it's not like you're in a position where you're like, this is the kind of doom and gloom. Instead, there's this huge wave of positivity and optimism. So, uh, John, as we wrap up tonight, let's go over kind of gun to your head. Now that DeAndre Hopkins is out of the way, who or what do you think will be that eighth overall pick for the Cardinals? What position do you have a player in mind? Where do the Cardinals go now? I think they go offensive tackle. I think that that was in consideration before this move. And I think it's whether it's via trade down to recoup, you know, an extra pick or two um, and you're moving to, you know, 10, 11, 12. I still think it would be a tackle. I think that in perfect world, that's what Kime wants to do. But at the end of the day, if you love a prospect, whether it's a, you know, a Wills or a Thomas or a Wirfs, you take them at eight and you figure the rest out later. But outside of an Isaiah Simmons or a Jeff Akuda falling to you, which I do not think will happen, I think they're going to double down on offense with Kyler Murray, and you're going to add a bona fide stud prospect at right tackle. Along that's going to go a long way along with somebody like DeAndre Hopkins, and they're going to be off to the races toward 30 points per game, my friend. Yeah, I think that would be the biggest thing is um, if you're talking about getting a tackle at the right tackle position for the next four to five years, moving your uh, swing tackle to the backup tackle position, that'll be able to help, I think, a lot for this team, being able to get another road grader as well as better pass protector in there. Um, for me, it wouldn't shock if there is a move. I think the as far as for my dream scenario would be if Jeff Okuda falls within striking distance and the Cardinals would be looking at making any type of move because – in that scenario, you're essentially trying to recreate on defensive side, at least, your own legion of boom, whether you re-sign or Patrick Peterson or if he walks or you decide to end up trading him to another team. Similar to this DeAndre Hopkins um, type of trade, only difference being instead of a 27-year-old all-pro wide receiver, it's a 29-year-old, or by that's the next point, 30-year-old um, former all-pro. We'll see if he gets back there, cornerback at least for that one, with having a guy who can come in and replace him. Texans. They don't have that guy right now. The closest they got was Randall Cobb. So for me, that would be my dream. But like you, John, I don't see it happening. I think the Cardinals will probably be looking heavily at a maybe the best offensive line class that we've seen since probably at least the 2016 class. It was probably even better than that class, I think, overall on paper, John. Um, And in that sense, I think the Cardinals um, would love to go defense, get one of those playmakers, but ultimately – um, you're probably looking at one of those tackles right now. Hey, things could change. We still have guys who are out there. If the Cardinals do decide to sign a defensive player or if they decide to just go out and sign a right tackle who in the next, say, three to four years will man that position or guy who's on a big one-year deal, suddenly maybe it would turn into a best player available type of approach, which I think would probably be most optimistic to wipe away everything of all of the needs that you have and just focus on adding talent to this team as they rebuild. All right, totally that'll, wrap it up. that'll wrap it up for us, at least for that tonight. Um, you can go ahead and follow us on Revenge of the Birds. Um, at Johnny Touchdown on Twitter. Check in his content. I'm at Blake Murphy 7 um, We'll be back again with another podcast, at least optimistically, uh, later this week. Later in the week. Exactly. We want to make sure we can drop off as much content as we can while people are, some of you are sitting around at home, (laughs) working from home and listening or having not as much to do, at least amidst all of this. So uh, stay safe out there, folks. Obviously, whatever social distancing that you need for you and your family, hopefully you take care of that. And I'm glad that we have some more football news to talk about the rest of this week. Take care, everyone. This is Revenge of the Birds out. We'll see you later this week for the rest of Free Agency, the first wave.